0: You're listening to the Grid Iron Growl Podcast from ChopTalk.com.
1: Welcome everyone to episode 49 of the Gridiron Growl Podcast. This is none other than your boy. David Soderquist, along with Brian Fox Jr., the lead man in charge here at Chomp Talk. And we are joined by Connor Clark from Gators Territory and Rivals.com to discuss the big recruiting month that Florida had. Uh, A ton of visitors and prospects who have came on official and unofficial visits to the University of Florida this whole month. And we got some surprise commitments from guys like Shamar James, a top 150 linebacker. And another speedster actually clocked in faster time than Isaiah Bond did by the name of Chandler Smith, who clocked in at a 10.2800 meter, which converts to a 429 if you, for you 40-yard dash guys out there that aren't track experts. Uh, Florida also got a commitment from athlete Jamarian Burt, who worked out with the team and impressed the staff, and they offered him a scholarship. And also Florida got them a kicker by the name of Trey Smack, a five-star Kicker per Coles kicking, and that's not Coles, the place that you shop at. That's Coles kicking where they rank kickers. And uh, he's the number three kicker, number 10 punter. So Florida really needing a kicker and picks up an elite kicker from this class. So, four commitments thus far this month for the Florida Gators and players like Mohammed Diabate cluing us in on more possible commitments soon. And even Nick Evers' mother, mom, uh, Monica Evers, uh, even being as vocal, including us in as well on Twitter. So, a huge recruiting month for Florida. And we will see what happens in the months and weeks to come and see if there are any surprises along the way. So, Connor, man, first off, going to go ahead and start off with the big name everyone is talking about and who kind of gave us a clue to when he is going to commit here in July or August or so, and that is a five-star defensive line prospect by the name of Walter Nolan. What's the buzz from Walter Nolan thus far?
2: So, Walter Nolan's been making the rounds, as I'm sure everybody's seen on social media, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, where it... His parents have not been shy about letting everybody know that is where they want him to go. Uh, They want him to play college football up in Ann Arbor. Um, But he did make his visit to Florida. Obviously his official visit was the first weekend in June. Everything went really well. Florida knocked it out the park. Um, And then he came back down to Florida only a few days later uh, for an unofficial visit on his way to, or to Bradenton for the future 50 camp. Now, From everything that I have heard and everything that seems to be going on around that situation, um, Walter Nolan really likes the University of Florida. Uh, He tweeted right after the visit that he was ready to shut things down, which was an encouraging sign for the Gators. I don't think a whole lot has changed after going on all these visits to Alabama, Georgia, Michigan. Like I said, obviously his parents have not been shy about where they want him to play football at the next level. But I think if the kid has his chance to make his decision, I think Florida's in a very good spot and could actually be the leader at this time.
3: And Connor, right after his visit, he was pretty uh, adamant that a, a commitment was imminent. I mean, he obviously really loved his visit to UF. However, here we are four weeks later and we still haven't gotten a commitment. He's gone to visit these other schools. Obviously, we talked about the parents.
2: When do you see, what kind of timeline do you see with him? I think he commits sometime uh, in the month of July or August. I think he I'm pretty sure he wants to do it before his senior season starts. Um, now with that, I can't give you an exact date. Uh, I think it'd be in that time frame, though. I know Walter is someone that kind of wants to get the recruiting process over with, not a huge fan of it. And uh, it's really a unique situation. I've never really seen, obviously there's those situations where parents will kind of, try to push you in the direction that they want you to go. And most of the times the parents went out, except for in the Landon Collins situation that everybody got to see on national TV. Uh, His mom was very happy about that. Um, But I think it's one of those situations where if they let the kid make the decision, like I said earlier, I think Florida is in a fantastic spot to land one of the premier defensive tackles in the country.
3: So with a July or August commitment, we don't necessarily foresee a Jacob Copeland type situation where the mother kind of walks out, uh, on the
2: celebration. I could not tell you on that one, If he doesn't pick Michigan, mom and dad might not be too happy. Um, but, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I know the parents did have a good time on their Florida visit, so I don't think they'd be too terribly upset if it ends up being the Gators, but they've been, been very vocal towards, uh, towards Michigan and wanting him to go
1: there. Yeah, you tell him to learn from the Gator great Emmett Smith there and just let your kid go where he wants to go, all right? Don't <laughs> we don't want nobody going over there to, uh, to Harbaugh in Michigan, and you know you know how that goes every year with them getting beat by Ohio State. But <laughs> And other, uh, other recruits that are the elite names that are the big names out there is uh, Evan Stewart. Now, he's uh, been taking his visits as he should as any elite prospect would, you know, free meals, free trips, all that other kind of stuff. I don't blame him. Every elite prospect should do it. Uh, he was currently been visiting Texas, but wearing Florida wristbands in a picture he sent out on Twitter. Uh, what's the latest you, that you have on uh, Evan
2: Stewart there? Another big time prospect that I think Florida's in a really good spot for. Uh, Florida, when they had him in on his official visit, really sold the NIL uh, name image likeness uh, law that's going to be going into effect here in a few days. And really knocked that presentation out of the park. Not to mention Billy Gonzalez's track record with getting wide receivers to the NFL and his strong connection with Nick Evers, who's his seven-on-seven seven quarter, quarterback, and they play, both play in the state of Texas. Uh, like you said, he's gone on all of his pretty much all of his visits. Now he's been to Texas A&M. He's been to Texas. He was at Alabama this weekend. Um, I'm not sure if he has any more official visits left. He might. Um, but with the dead period getting ready to start now, there won't be anything for the month of uh, July. So Florida's in a very good spot, and he's someone that I think will also commit in the July-August time frame.
1: Yeah, Evan Stewart, a, uh, another Texas wide receiver, Texas player. Uh, Florida really hitting the state of Texas really hard this cycle, it looks like, and uh, another name that Florida was in the running for, now it seems to kind of fared off a little bit as Jalil Skinner. Uh, he's, you know, he's been a big question in his recruitment. What's the uh, latest you got on Jaleel Skinner?
2: He's someone that was very, very vocal about Florida leading his recruiting process just three, four months ago. Since backed off of that, he's from the state of South Carolina. So you always have to worry about Clemson in that situation. Right. Florida State's a big factor uh, in his recruitment as well. He just visited Alabama. Uh, I think he... He took his official visit to Florida midweek before uh, the IMG 7-on-7 tournament. So Florida will be a factor in his recruitment, but they're definitely not as high as they were a few months ago. He's one of those kids that you you could really see going anywhere. I don't know that he has really one school that everybody's like, you know what, I have him pegged going there. So any of those schools being the choice wouldn't surprise me but Florida's definitely not in as good a spot as they were previously.
1: And with uh, CJ Hawkins already committed there at a tight end spot, do you see Florida going after any other tight ends in this class? Maybe some top ones or maybe some, you know, top 150s, 200s, somebody in the top 250 around that range or that region?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, they're obviously still actively recruiting Jaleel Skinner. They're also recruiting a tight end from Georgia named Oscar Delp. Uh, a lot of people think he's going to end up at the University of Georgia, which is where I think he ends up as well. And then a recent offer that they threw out was Mason Taylor uh, from St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, actually the son of former NFL great and hall of famer, Jason Taylor. All right. So he got an offer from Florida, I think about a week or two ago. And uh, he's someone that Florida will continue to recruit hard not somebody that plans on committing anytime soon. So that could go the, the distance and we could see Florida make a strong push for him late. All right,
3: where does Florida stand right now with Addison Nichols, the uh, interior offensive lineman uh, from Georgia?
2: So I think, I think he had Florida in his top five, but they're towards the bottom end of that. I think they're about four or five in that range. I think he's someone that ends up at uh, Tennessee. I think he's got family ties to, to the volunteers.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Tie to end a spot that Florida already has one recruit at, but could take to this cycle in another position. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and go running back here real quick. I know that uh, Greg Knox gets knocked a lot for not getting any kind of running backs, uh, but uh, a few running backs in this class as well. Do you know of any running backs that Florida's really trying to hit hard this cycle?
2: Yeah, so one, uh, I know he's your favorite, Terrence Gibbs, is someone that Florida's recruiting really hard. Uh, They look to be the leader. Uh, He's actually said that multiple times. He has a top two of Florida and LSU, but Florida is the clear-cut number one school in that recruitment. Uh, I think they're going to try to get him up to Friday Night Lights here towards the end of July, work him out a little bit and see how that knee's doing after the surgery. Um, But he's someone that they're recruiting very hard and hopefully they'll be able to get into the class if, if everything checks out on that knee.
1: Yeah, do you expect it to be anytime soon?
2: As far as...
1: It's just a commitment.
2: A commitment from him? Uh, I think you, it'll be t- more towards the end of July if everything goes well on that knee. I think you could see Florida uh, get a commitment from Gibbs if everything goes well.
1: Yeah, that, that's my guy right there. I like his film. And, and like you said, hopefully that knee checks out really well because if it does... Florida just got a really good running back and uh, was a top top 50 prospect before he got hurt. And uh, obviously, you go down in rankings if you don't play. So <laughs> that's what happened. I mean, he's still in the top 250, so they still consider him a valuable asset as a running back. So we'll see what happens with that commitment. And uh, offensive line is also a big need this cycle. It's It's been a big need for a while, to be honest. Uh, with the commitment of Tony Livingston, top 150, uh, prospect there. Florida could add some really good high-quality depth to the offensive line with a guy by the name of Tyler Booker for IMG Academy. Will the IMG Academy curse come to haunt us again, or, uh, what, or, or what have you been
2: hearing about Tyler Booker? So, Tyler Booker is the single most important prospect of Florida's 2022 class, and I have not been shy about saying that in multiple articles that I've written at Gators Territory. He is the cornerstone of this class if they're able to reel him in. He's someone that has been very vocal about wanting to leave his own legacy, not go somewhere where there's already a long-established lineage of maybe first-round offensive linemen. For whatever reason, Florida seems to be towards the top of his list because of that. He's got a real good relationship with John Hevesy and Dan Mullen. And though he's from Connecticut, it looks like the schools in the South um, are going to be – the, the schools to beat in that recruitment, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, I think are his top three right now. And I think at the end of the day, it comes down to Florida and Georgia with the Gators having a very good shot. I uh, just, I have a hard time uh, seeing a kid like that end up at Florida with, with the track record of, of the recruitment that John has, he's been doing in recent years. Hey Connor, what is it about IMG Academy that Florida just hasn't been able to get its foot through the door there? I wish I could give you an answer to that. There's so much talent there. And a lot of the prospects that are at IMG Academy are from the state of Florida. So you would think they'd be able to land some of those prospects, like a Kamari Wilson, who's from Fort Pierce, the top one or two safety in the country really likes Florida, but we'll see if they can land him at I, they were finally going to break it quite a while ago with Curtis Dunlap who was at IMG Academy originally from Jacksonville and then Dan Mullen and his staff came in and uh, he ended up going to Minnesota instead of Florida so I mean you could technically say they broke the IMG curse when uh, Kamar Wilcoxon signed even though he was only there for about 2-3 months and didn't yeah. play a game there um, if you want to grasp at straws but uh, I, I really couldn't tell you why IMG is such a hard, hard, uh, hard pull for, for the Gators.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned Tyler Booker uh, being a big part of this class. And it, to me, and how I look at things, uh, I look at things from an outspied fans perspective. Uh, Walter Nolan, I think, is going to be huge because, I mean, if his commitment time somewhere in July and August, if we can get a commitment from a, a high ranked five star like that, it usually makes other elite it gets the attention of other elite recruits so elite recruits want to play with other elite recruits so you know they call it the domino the domino effect or whatever and i'm hoping that come july or august that walter nolan does commit to the university of florida uh if he doesn't i know a lot of fans are going to be upset i'll be one of them <laughs> i think i think all of gator twitter will be upset if walter nolan commits to michigan over florida but uh uh, uh just hopefully we can get Walter Nolan into the class and it can start the domino effect the way that these kids are talking on Twitter. You know how they say we're going to get all these commitments now, so we'll see. Uh, I want to I know who these mystery commitments are because if there's some people that were supposed to commit to Florida and they just committed elsewhere, then we're in deep trouble. <laughs> uh, what are some other offensive line prospects you think Florida's going to go after?
2: So they've got uh, another kid from IMG Academy, Drew Shelton. Uh, he is committed to Penn State right now, took an official visit to Florida and was very clear that Florida is the school pushing the hardest for him to flip. He is from in that uh, that Midwest region, Pennsylvania, I think is where he's from. But he's been committed to Penn State and hasn't been shy about his, his love for the University of Florida and the way they're recruiting him. So I think he's someone to keep an eye on. I don't know that they'll be able to pull that flip off, but he is someone to keep an eye on. Uh, and they've offered a couple more offensive tackles recently. Um, one of them is Jacob Hood, who's looking to schedule an official visit with Florida in the fall. Says that uh, Dan Mullen and John Hevesy contact him and his mother probably two to three times a week. Um, someone that want, they want to get on campus. He's a very large kid, about six foot eight, 330 pounds. Um, and then as far as the rest of the offensive line goes, you're looking at some other blue chip prospects that Florida's kind of on the outside looking in for. Um, and then you unfortunately get down to those three star kids that a lot of the fan base doesn't ever get very excited about because they're not blue chip prospects. But you've got a, a Leighton Nelson from Orlando here in Boone High School that had Florida in his top five and plans on committing in July as well is another notable name.
1: Absolutely. And uh, a lot of fans out there on Twitter are are, are worried about Florida State's recruiting class because they're what the number three class right now. And I keep trying to tell them it's still early. Um, (laughs) I say let the games be played first. Uh, What do you think about Florida State's recruiting class right now? Do you think that they're going to be able to out recruit Florida this cycle? Or do you think the games get played and a lot of decommitments start happening?
2: So I think Florida State's recruiting class right now is pretty solid. A couple really good prospects, Travis Hunter, Sam McCall, a couple guys along the trenches, Sean Sapp, that Florida was recruiting hard. Uh, But like you said, the games have to get played. So we'll see if they are able to put a solid product on the field. We see it every year with – well, not every year, but the last three to four years with Florida State where they – have a little bit of momentum before the season starts. And then that kind of falls apart once the games actually are aired on TV and they go four and seven or four and eight. Uh, same thing with, uh, with Miami. Yep. Miami was the same way. They were the off season champions where they would recruit really well, get a lot of those kids to commit. And then during the season, they'd have a subpar year and then you'd see a lot of kids decommit and go elsewhere. A lot of them would go to Florida. So I think Florida State's got a lot of momentum on the trail right now, but we'll see how they fare once the games actually get played.
3: Connor, I think what a lot of Gator fans want to know is when does Florida get that off-season momentum? You know, it looked like maybe finally they were starting to get that with the visits in June and all the good words that were coming out, and yet they only get a couple of of, uh, commitments. Uh, One of those from a kicker uh, that nobody had ever heard of before, before this, uh, and then the other one being a, a three-star wide receiver or athlete, whatever you want to call him. Uh, there's there's a lot of question marks I think. When does Florida get that off-season momentum and then translate that into a good year on the football field and
2: really just capitalize from there? So if you've ever watched Dan Mullins recruiting, a lot of his uh, bigger, uh, bigger wins have been during the season. He's not Someone that's going to – him and his staff are not really people that are going to wow you off the field and smooze you around town and stuff like that. They're very X's and O's guys. Um, so when we say the games have to get played, that, also, that may be a detriment to a team like Florida State, but it's a positive for a team like Florida. And, yes, the offseason is really the time you want to get your recruiting class going and kind of close out your recruiting class during the season. But it seems to be almost the opposite for Florida – where they get their guys. Obviously, they'll get a couple guys, like you said, Shamar James, C.J. Smith, uh, Jamarian Burt, a couple guys during the offseason. But once the games start getting played and people can see the on-field product, that is really what sells Dan Mullen and his Florida program or his program at Mississippi State when he was there. So as much as it would be nice to see a lot of kids commit in the offseason and you get those – big recruiting wins on your official visits or your junior days or your spring games and stuff like that it's really not been the mo of uh, of dan mullen's staffs Hey,
3: dave mentioned earlier about the speed that's coming to gainesville particularly you know, cornerbacks with receivers is this becoming ucf north ucf what do is- you UCF do fast. Isn't Gosh, that what I, isn't that what I heard it. for the last don't like, <laughs> <do> that, <Ryan. laughs> but I, I don't necessarily think that that's an offense. You don't necessarily want to emulate there. That's, that's a good
2: offense. That was a oh, lethal absolutely. offense.
3: And if they can bring that kind of speed to Gainesville, I don't think that's a bad thing.
2: <laughs> well, so, so you say UCF fast, but um, the biggest thing when urban Meyer was at Florida was recruiting speed. He wanted to keep the speed in Florida in Florida hence Jeff Dems, Chris Rainey, Deontay Thompson, guys like that. So Dan Mullen's done an excellent job this cycle of making sure to get those speed guys. Like you said, Isaiah Bond's a 10-4-800 meter guy. CJ yep. Smith's a 10-2-800 meter guy. And then Julian Humphrey from Texas, the cornerback's a 10-5-500 meter guy. So they're bringing a lot of speed into, into the class. And quite honestly, Florida's ne- Florida needs it. Uh, they didn't have a lot of elite top-end speed in the wide receiver rooms. Obviously, Van Jefferson was a fantastic route runner. Kadarius Toney, even though he ran a 4-3 in the pro day, wasn't necessarily someone that was going to pull away from defenders at the second level. He's really quick, but not that straight-line top-end speed, and you get that with guys like Isaiah Bond, C.J. Smith, because they've they've truly lacked that. Recently in their wide receiver room. All right. So I have
3: to ask it. would be unfair not to ask. I think Jamari and Bert, uh, one of the most recent commitments that Florida got uh, three-star athlete out of Ocala.
2: How did this guy <laughs> get through the cracks here, man? Um, yeah. So he's a kid that came up camped early in June. They brought him back for a private workout and I guess they liked what they saw. Uh, from the in-person workout Uh, his measurement on our sites about six foot six foot one 175 pounds so not overly big they're recruiting him to play cornerback though he's listed as a wide receiver on rivals or an athlete uh, on other sites but is someone that when I turned on the film I wasn't overly impressed with to be honest with you a kid that didn't really jump out off the off the screen which is what you want when you bring a kid into the to a school like the University of Florida now I didn't get to see that private workout that they put him through. So he very well could have made a huge jump and he could prove everybody wrong in his senior season, but from what's readily available to the public, it was a questionable take in my opinion.
3: Yeah. It just seems like a really odd take in the middle of June. Uh, We still have, you know, six months of this to play out. and, And for, For that take, it just—I mean, obviously, a lot of people question the staff and their ability to recruit, anyway, and and it's reasons like this where
2: I think the fan base is justified in having those criticisms. No, you're absolutely right. Like I said, a, a questionable take, in my opinion, and someone that I think is more along the lines of somebody you would take later in the cycle, not somebody in June, is somebody that you maybe fall back on later in the cycle.
1: Yeah. It was questionable for me, but I I just don't, you know, I'm not one of those guys, that's, you know, we're not bashing kids here. None of y'all did, but I'm just saying, I'm not one that's going to be like, oh, well, this kid wasn't worth it or anything like that. Let's just hope that they saw something that we didn't see and hopefully maybe caught a diamond in the rough somewhere. But, uh yeah, I mean, it was definitely something you didn't want to see in the middle of of, of June or and, and coming into July, especially with Friday Night Lights coming up. But, uh you know, I... I, I didn't understand it either, and a lot of people on Twitter and, and social media don't understand it either, but, you know, it, it is what it is, and, and also, Elijah Blades posted on his Twitter, he's moving out of College Station, but has not given a clue to where he's going, and he actually, I think he has a picture, just a blank picture on his Twitter, so he, he's definitely not letting anybody know where he's going. Uh, Where do you see Elijah Blades ending up
2: at? So I think he ends up at Florida. Uh, I don't know when he'll be able to enroll. Uh, I know summer classes have started uh, as far as summer B, getting all those kids on campus, get them in the classroom and get them in the weight room. But he is a a fifth-year college guy, so I don't know how much getting him into the weight room at Florida right now would be a benefit because he's been in a college weight program. Um, So I I, I don't know exactly what's going to happen as far as his – process goes but i do think he's somebody that ends up at florida in the end
3: one thing i find really interesting about elijah blades is i think that connor had we talked to you five years ago during the recruitment of elijah blades you probably would have said the exact same thing so here we are five years later it's kind of come full (laughs) circle um kind of kind of interesting there hey florida got a jadarius perkins from mizzou he enrolled at uf just a few hours ago actually um is there any competition there? Does that, is that an indicator that maybe Elijah Blades isn't coming to campus? Do you think they have any any significance toward each other?
2: No, actually. Uh, so Perkins is somebody that they took in just after spring. Uh, they were going to take him regardless. They're completely independent of each other. Uh, Elijah Blades is somebody that if he wants to be at Florida and if he can get into Florida, he will be at Florida. So they're going to take both of them. I know they really like Perkins as a versatile defensive back not just a corner. So they think he could play nickel, safety, or cornerback. Um, and he could very well be a person to step into the nickel role right now that's kind of been in flux since Chauncey Gardner-Johnson left Florida. So um, as far as Blades goes, if he comes to Florida, I think he could be the person to step in as the starter opposite Kyre Elam. And they like to rotate those positions. So you'll obviously have your Jaden Hills, your Jason Marshalls, and guys like that get their crack at it. But I think if Blades comes to Florida, he'd be the starter opposite at corner, and then Perkins is one of those utility guys that you can kind of move around and put wherever uh, he fits best and wherever you can get your best players on the field.
3: Now with Florida going after both Perkins and Blades, should fans be concerned about DB play this year?
2: So I wouldn't say concerned, but there's really not consistent production outside of Kyrie Elam you lose Marco Wilson, who to everybody's dismay was not exactly a fan favorite this year, Uh, but he was, he was a solid performer his first couple years. And then for whatever reason, things kind of fell apart this year. Um, But outside of, him and Kair, they didn't really have much experience behind them. Jaden Hill got a little bit of play this year, but Jason Marshall's a true freshman. Avery Helm is a redshirt freshman that didn't play much last year. So, and those that's really your two deep right there. So, bringing in guys like Perkins and Blades, I don't think is a, an indicator of how bad I would say the cornerback room is, but just to add depth and add experience. Right, and
3: depth, I think, is going to be an issue for this team at almost every position, so that there's nothing wrong with doing that, especially at a position in the defensive backfield that struggled as mightily as they did last year. Dave, one more thing before um, before we get off of the, the recruiting bit a little bit. Uh, you mentioned that Florida landed a five-star kicker in Trey Smack. Uh, I think a lot of people did uh, – wait, what? Because I think a lot of people thought that Alex McPherson, the brother of Evan McPherson, uh, was going to be the heir apparent and that never happened, and uh, this was kind of confusing, I I think, to a lot of Gator fans. Connor, what do you know about that situation?
2: Yeah, so uh, obviously when you hear that there's another brother, a younger brother, you think, okay, they're going to come in. The Townsend brothers did it and were wildly successful at the University of Florida. It looks like Alex kind of wants to uh, forge his own path. Uh, Grew up an Auburn fan as far as I know. Um, And I think Auburn ends up being the spot for Alex, but he was on his official visit, I think two weeks ago now. And right after that official visit ended, Florida offered Trey smack. Now I don't know the ins and outs of the whole situation, but from an outside perspective, it looks like he kind of told them, Hey, listen, I appreciate you guys recruiting me, but I'm not going to come here. So please go get your other guy. And with that being said, it ended up being Trey Smack. They offered him. Uh, he committed two days later. He's a five-star kicker on Coles.com, so Florida fans can stop complaining about not not landing five stars. Um, number three kicker in the country, and uh, really has a really powerful leg. I, he's, I've seen a couple videos of him hitting from sixty and sixty-five. So he's someone that I wasn't really on my radar either. Uh, I thought if Florida had missed on McPherson, they were going to offer Will Betridge, a kid who's the number two kicker in the country and is from the state of Florida. But I guess the coaching staff really liked what they saw from Smack better than what they saw from Betridge. So they decided to offer him and he committed two days later. So now you've got a real fun name for Mick Hubert to say on the radio when he's (laughs) calling the games.
1: And that is ColesKicking.com, not Coles.com, because if you go to Coles.com, you'll be shopping for clothes. <laughs> all right, Connor, man, uh, it's great having you on always to get a recruiting update for you folks over there at Gators Territory. I know you guys are consistently busy, and y'all bust y'all's tail all the time, and I think y'all don't get any sleep more than anybody. I think uh, what Steve Wilfong said... Uh, I think he had deleted the tweet and remade the tweet about uh you know people that work in, in recruiting and all that. It's 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 nuts. You're you're twenty four seven almost uh, every day, so you always got to keep up with it because things happen overnight. I've seen commitments happen at three in the morning, and uh, you're like, where did this come from? So, I appreciate what you guys do over there, Gary's Territory. I appreciate what every recruiting analyst does, and uh, coming up here in July. Friday Night Lights. Uh, Hope to have you on at some point when it happens. Uh, Maybe we can get a little bit more of an update from Friday Night Lights and the barbecue. Uh, But tell everybody where they can find you on social media and other platforms and what kind of deals you guys got going on over there at uh, Gators Territory.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always a good time to talk Gator football with you guys. Uh, I've done this a few times now and really, really enjoy every moment of it. Um, I write, obviously, like you said, for Gators Territory at Rivals.com. My Twitter handle is CJ underscore Clark one. Um, And we've got a promotion actually going on right now uh, for Gators Territory for all those that want to partake and get all the latest Gator news, both team and recruiting. We've got uh, Nick Corey Donovans joined us over at Gators Territory. He's really killing it. Um, But we've got a a great promotion right now where if you sign up now, you get uh, all the way up until August 30th for free. Uh, So you'll get to hear all the latest updates from Friday Night Lights when it happens at the end of July. Um, And then you'll get access to all the latest recruiting articles that we've had from all these kids that have been visiting the whole month of June. Uh, So if you want to see what we've got to say, what those kids have got to say, please join us on Gators Territory. And uh, like I said, guys, thank you very much for having me on. It's always a good time and hope hopefully we'll be on 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 again soon. Or I'm sorry, August tenth is the date for Gator's Territory and it's promo code visits
1: twenty
3: twenty one. There you go. Hey, Connor, thanks. thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate it every single time.
2: Yeah, yeah. thank you guys.
1: Definitely. It's always fun. And a damn good deal going on over there at Gators Territory all the way till August 10th. So if you want a couple free about a month, Month and a half free over there at Gators Territory. Sign up, man. I'm uh, already signed up. I love it. And, uh, Connor, thank you for joining us on the Gridiron Grout podcast, man. And that was Connor Clark over there at GatorsTerritoryandRivals.com. Always appreciate Connor Clark uh, just for the work that he does and and for being on our podcast and being readily available. And, uh, you know, we mentioned a little bit about the uh, name, image, and likeness bill. And I know, Ryan, you did a lot of uh, studying there, and you know a lot more about that. Can you uh, fill us in on some of that? Yeah. I, uh, I had an article run in the alligator a uh,
0: few weeks back about, uh, just exactly what the NIL is bill is going to be. And there's actually Supreme court ruling in the past week that I am going to write about in the next few days. Um, but the NIL bill name image and likeness essentially means that collegiate athletes like can be, can accept outside third party sponsorship deals to profit based on their own name, image, and likeness. So like, I guess to kind of create, I'm sure it's been mentioned and talked about to death this year because of the fact of, because of the looming deadline of July first, but like kind of create like a little um like a walking hypothetical like if Emory jo- if like a local Gainesville like car dealer wants to like have Emery Jones like sponsor like a sale, he can't appear in any Florida gear and he can't use like like Florida to promote the deal. But if they just have like Emery Jones and like a polo saying like this deal is coming. And he can do that and they can pay him for it. And the money can't be funneled through the school and he can't use the school to promote himself. But, like, these athletes can use their own image. They build up themselves and the local and national, like, image they have to create, like, third-party sponsorships.
4: It's like when uh, Steph Curry and Eli Manning would do those, like, Gillette commercials Mm -hmm. or, like, Steph Curry did one for water and Eli Manning did one for, like, watches or a – a deodorant, but they basically were in their uniform and everything, but literally nothing about it represented any of the team, like either of the teams they played for.
0: Yep. You, yeah, you the, like they can't like appear in commercials wearing like UF gear because then they're using the school, but if well, it's they just wear like,
3: orange and blue jerseys and it's okay,
4: <laughs> I
0: guess I have no idea where they draw the line. That is not oh, like teal and
4: salmon. Exactly.
0: Yeah. But if Emory Jones wears like, a white t-shirt and khakis on TV. He can be like, buy Toyotas and like give a thumbs up. And they can be like, all right, here's like $10,000, I guess. I don't know
4: how that transaction would go. I hope hope that's a, I hope that's a, uh, I hope that's a strategy for them. I hope they just make Emory Jones just go buy Toyotas.
0: I want, I want an offensive lineman to do a deal with Paisanos. That is my dream scenario
3: for this. Yeah, with any of the fast food places, do Pizza Hut, Domino's. Domino's is a Gator thing, right? Domino's is the Gator pizza people. It's the
0: one that's everywhere, so I would assume so, yes.
3: Yeah, that's that's what the press box always gives us. Domino's, 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 all all Domino's everywhere.
0: <laughs> I can smell it before I walk in. Some days I'm like, oh, this is what we're doing today. Let's go. This
3: <laughs> this is this is kind of a game changer in college football and college sports in general because it's not just football, right?
0: It's all sports. And I sat down with Drew Butler from IconSource when I wrote my first story about the NIL. And he said, this is probably the biggest legislation college athletics have ever seen because it's not just like the football players. It's not just uh, Emery Jones and Kyir Elam that are going to be benefiting from this. It'd be like, I mean, if they're gone now, I can't really think of athletes that have the same crossover they have. But like two, three years ago, Grant Holloway and Caleb Dressel would have been like for smaller athletes, they would have made money hand over fist. So like... Guys like that and athletes like that, regardless of sport, can profit off their own name, image, and likeness. And, I, it like, it's not just going to be big sponsorship deals. It can be, like, literally, like, hey, I'll pay you, like, $50 to tweet happy birthday to my son. Like, right,
3: or to say this is the Gridiron Growl podcast.
0: <laughs> or that, if Brian wants to go that route.
3: Um, so, hey, yeah, this is, this is such an interesting thing because now players can bank on themselves a little bit more. Uh, guys who are questionable draft picks in their junior year can now say, "Well, you know what? I can earn money by coming back to school." So maybe they've now, you know, put that in their heads as well. But we, we spoke about players banking on themselves. Wisconsin's Graham Mertz. He's a, he's a quarterback who threw what five touchdowns. Is that what you told me, Jake? <laughs> Something I think, like that. I think,
4: I think it's five. His first college game, he threw like five to six touchdowns in his, like, everybody. he was like the Heisman front runner after like that one week.
3: And, and then that, it all went yeah. downhill from there. <laughs>
4: I mean, it was Wisconsin, but so.
3: He he is a guy who it was just announced earlier today that he's banking on himself. He created himself his own little superhero logo, was which, by the one? way, I want somebody to per- do one for me. Does <laughs> um, that, that look of cool?
0: Was that earlier today? Man, four hours ago. (laughs) Two days get longer. That Uh, feels like a week ago for some reason.
3: You're gonna (laughs) see, I think, a lot of players doing this in the future. And and this is a guy who, you know, very few people that are Florida Gator fans or SEC fans will know who that guy is. But imagine if a guy that I can't even think of a name right now, but you know, some big Bo Nix could do that. (laughs) <laughs> Keep laughing, guys. I know it's hilarious. <laughs> he overthrew the like, Williams- I was trying to think of another why, quarterback why that's someone, coming back
0: in. Why the would, why would someone know. want a sponsorship from Auburn's backup quarterback?
4: <laughs> I would. I would bet you. <laughs> Matt are we Matt one get in there? Deal Matt Corral. That's nice. a good one.
0: Yeah, Matt Cor- what, what would Matt Corral be sponsored by? Golden Corral. That'd be a natural partnership. Yeah. There you go.
3: Yeah, but you know he's gonna go for something bigger. He wants like Ferrari or something. <laughs> is Mac
0: is Mac Corral, if you take him out of an old miss uniform, big enough to get something like that? I think there are very few college athletes that are big enough that if you take them out of their like Trevor Lawrence would have done a great Trevor Lawrence yes, lost probably. out on Trevor Lawrence lost out on tens of millions of dollars by this not being ready when he was in college. But like if you like Emory Jones in a Florida uniform, everyone's like, yeah, a hundred percent. If you took Emory Jones out of a Florida uniform and just like, nobody knows them, who he is. Yeah. Like Florida fans would know who he is. But like, if you put that, if you aired that commercial in like Oregon, they'd be like, who is this guy? Right. So well, I think a
3: lot of, I mean, the NFL took a lot of primetime time talent in the quarterback position Who's the quarterback at Ohio State right now? Not one of us can answer. Don't answer if you do know. It's okay. I'm trying to prove a point here. It's, it's <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, yeah. uh, but but that's I the point. Like, two. It, that's okay. We don't know which one's starting. It's okay. <laughs> that is, <that's> a <laughs> yeah. So so here, just a quick question, and I want to go go everyone here. Who, which Gator do you think is going to be the first one to sign an NIL deal? And is there anybody that you think might sign? Like, who would you see pairing up with something kind of unique or, or fun or funny?
1: I got Zachary Carter. Zachary. Oh, that's I was going to go Zach Carter.
2: Uh,
3: can
1: I give a jump fun quicker,
3: Jake?
0: <laughs> can I give a fun one? Someone I think actually might do something really wholesome based on the last few months. I'd love to see what Gervon Dexter can do with this.
4: Yeah. Oh, that's my boy, 863.
0: I, I'd love to see what Gurmont can do with this. It's like, especially with the um, some. I mean, the video of him like giving, up, handing up food a few months ago. I feel like Germa could do some really cool stuff with this.
4: What about? Yeah, G- I, I would think. take either Dexter or Diabate. What? What about? I don't think G- Diabate. Or Breton Cox. Cox might. could be one. Cox.
3: Cox, I think, is very possible. I, I think about, Cox has been waiting I for this. Think-
0: We've really mentioned five names before any of us threw out Jacob Copeland. Really,
3: (laughs) Copeland has already signed deals. Let's be honest. I was going to say that's that's kind of low hanging
0: fruit. (laughs) Yeah,
3: and Copeland's got his own superhero thing. I'm sure. Uh, The other name, the name that I told you guys before we came on, Trey Dean. I I think there's a decent chance that he's already signed something. Uh, you know, tentative on the first, of course. Guys,
1: you're you're uh, you're leaving out Gene Delance.
3: Yeah, we'll get him you on know, the
2: podcast. Know
1: who might, you know who might really tap into the market? And like, why everybody do we not say Kyle
0: Elam? Well, I think, I think Elam's like too quiet, mm. almost. I mean, he's definitely- Kawhi like,
4: too quiet. He's got a new balance thing, so. Yeah, but like how
0: many new balance Kawhi Leonard commercials do you see? I've seen a few. Okay. 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 <laughs> I don't um, know. Every time. No, I was going to say, you know, in like one, in like a year or two, do you know how many local ads Anthony Richardson's going to get? Oh, absolutely. Like how many st- how much stuff in the Gainesville area? They're going to plaster him on billboards. Being
3: being the homegrown guy, this guy is going to. I mean, if his star shines as much as we think it is, as much as Connor Clark seems to think it will, uh, then yeah, this is this is going to be really uh, really fun to see what happens as far as the NIL goes with the local product. Um, if he's yeah, a, if he's I, a
0: halfway decent quarterback. They're going to slap him on every billboard they can in Gainesville.
3: Yeah, and hopefully the university will start taking the Heisman race seriously and maybe Placers, Billboard, and Times Square or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's 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 start talking. Um, I mean, we talked about the NIL. That starts J- July 1st, so on the next episode of the Gridiron Growl, you may hear from some athletes, who knows? <laughs> uh, we're, we're asking David for donations to contact these people and <laughs> – and do your part, David. Yeah, <laughs> just take it out of Jake's paycheck. Let me Yes, exactly. Let me now search. Half for- of
1: nothing <laughs> is still nothing, Ryan. Okay? <laughs> let me search for all that money I got in my wallet, man
3: hey uh, it was really in interesting pants. guys a really interesting development happened in the College World Series this weekend between Friday and Saturday. Uh, Jake I want I want to give you a chance to kind of take this one and run with it and uh, you know we'll we'll talk about how it ties into football and basically give our opinions without giving our opinions.
4: yeah we're gonna uh, we're gonna break down a potential Mickey Mouse World Series opportunity for Vanderbilt. Um, so basically what happened was NC State. Um, had a COVID outbreak, basically. And they had four people test positive, which is technically, by their standards, an outbreak. But the way it worked was really weird. Beginning of the week, they had no positive tests. And then by Tuesday, their coach, after they beat Vanderbilt to go uh, 2-0, and and they wouldn't have to play again until Friday, their coach, Elliot Event... Went on record and said, "Yeah, we got a couple guys who have. Uh, there's a bug going around the house or around the the team, and we got some guys who are sick. But he didn't know it was COVID. So hearing that they had sick players, the NCA starts testing them, and they had already moved out one of the people who felt sick out of the room or moved his moved his roommate out, and so they've already been separated. So the one guy tested positive." And NC State thought they could get the roommate if he tested out. They test him every day, and he tests negative every time he could play. Well, turns out he was positive, too. So then what happens is they start seeking out more stuff and then end up getting two more positive tests the morning before their 1 o'clock game on Friday against Vanderbilt. So it delays by 45 minutes. So they basically said, all right, if you're unvaccinated, you have to come down with us to the hotel and get, uh, and get a COVID test You're vaccinated. You can go play. Well, then I believe after that, they did another round of testing. And about 11 p.m., their results started trickling. They actually ended up having four more people test positive for COVID, all of them vaccinated. So by one o'clock, they basically said, yeah, your season's done. We can't have you play. I mean, you basically are at outbreak levels now. And, you know, whatever the NSA wants to give an excuse about whether it's uh. Player safety or things like that. They said we can't let you continue in this tournament, so you're going to have to go home. So basically, they sent all the vaccinated people home, and then after a while, uh, they sent all the um, all the COVID positive uh, people home, or they sent all the negative COVID tested uh, players and coaches. They sent them to Raleigh, where they actually were greeted by a really big welcome reception uh, when they got back, and then. The positive tests went back to North Carolina as well, so that's NC State. But with that, they declared their game on Saturday because they ended up playing uh, Vanderbilt on Friday with 13 players, nine position players, four pitchers. They actually had to play one of their starters at first base, and the dude actually raked. He got three hits that day, and they ended up losing to Vanderbilt three to one forcing an if necessary game on Saturday to go to the CWS. Well, because of the outbreak, it ended up being declared a no contest. And now Vanderbilt advanced into the college room series where they are promptly winning seven to two over Mississippi state in the fifth. So
3: yeah, potential what's Mickey
4: in, Mouse ring there.
3: What's important to know here is that it started with the testing of unvaccinated players, which is part of the standard protocol. All of this was per NCAA protocol that every team knew heading into postseason play, including Florida, because they were in regional play. Every team knew, every team agreed to this. Uh, whether or not you agree to the protocol, that's one thing or another, but every team knew that this was a potential outcome. Uh, where, where it happened with, you know, NC State basically being one win away from a College World Series championship berth, Um, yeah, that sucks, but talk to the VCU men's basketball team. Uh, it's happened in women's volleyball. This is a, this is something that by not getting vaccinated and I'm not saying that you should, or you shouldn't by not getting vaccinated, you allowed this to be a potential outcome. Uh, it it sucks for those two kids that tested positive first. There's, there's no way that, uh, they're going to feel anything but uh, disappointed and as if they let their team down. Um, And it's hard to argue either side of that. Um, But unfortunately this is part of the protocol. This is the protocol that everybody knew and everybody agreed on, but more importantly, looking forward to the college football season because of player safety, this isn't going away. They're not just going to say, all right, you don't have to worry about testing anymore, especially with new variants and whatnot coming out of the COVID virus. Um, And so this got us thinking, well, what happens if this happens during the college football playoff and ryan what are what are your thoughts on that
0: um i mean it's an entirely different market as big as the college world series is it's an entirely different market to enforce restrictions like this in the college football playoff which is the ncaa's biggest event of the season besides maybe march madness but i still think it's college football um, com- like compared to the World Series in Omaha. But this sets the precedent that the NCAA is not messing around with uh, these restrictions. It doesn't matter if you're contending for a title. It doesn't matter how late it is in the season. It doesn't matter how small the outbreak is classified as. If the letter of the law is being broken, they are going to rescind whatever team is breaking it. And... I don't like, I I mean, again, I'm not going to sit on a soapbox and say whichever thing should or shouldn't be done by each team. But I think if this NC State thing does anything, it probably motivates every other team to be like, yeah, we're not messing around with this protocol. Like everybody do everything you can because no one wants to be in this situation. Right. And, 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 and that doesn't necessarily
3: do it. mean that everybody has to vaccinate. If you go there and live in a bubble with your teammates, not to say that you can't get it that way, obviously, but if you do everything, go to the team hotel, go to the, and just do everything the exact right way. And and we don't know for certain that these NC state guys didn't do that. We don't know where this came from, how it started, where, where it initiated from, but there's got to be, if you're a coach right now, you've got to say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to take this seriously. And college football is a total different beast. But you got to think they, like you said, they've set the precedent now. This is going to be the way it is. And I, I look, I'm not for telling anybody they have to vaccinate. I don't think that's the right way to go. And I don't think the NCAA is going to do that. But man, they're going to put a pretty good bounty on not vaccinating, aren't they? <laughs> Jake, what are your thoughts on the subject? Um,
4: yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, from thinking about it, I mean, isn't it – I mean, it's it's different now because the vaccine's available. I think this past football season, we still saw players do and take it seriously, and we still had all the outbreaks. We still had, you know, teams miss games or have games canceled or have to move them somewhere sometime else. So I, I don't think it'll be any different than – the previous season, what I would actually wonder the only difference probably would be the people, more people in the stands, um, obviously. And, you know, just possibly us not caring about COVID after a while. Like, that's my question is at what point do we stop respecting it? Like not in a way that like, Oh, I think it's dangerous. Oh, things like that more in the sense that like, at what point do the, like, does it not really matter that COVID exists to the teams, to the NCAA, to the athletes? Um, and I do wonder what lengths they would go to if they still take it seriously come championship time they would to get the game still played.
0: If there's right. if there's one thing I've learned in the past 17 months, it's that trying to predict where this like where the regulations in this country is going to be in regards to COVID further than maybe a week in advance has been one of the biggest errors of my lifetime. So I have no idea what's going to happen this fall. Yeah, that's true. But to Brian's point, like pretending like these regulations just aren't going to be there for the football season is foolish at best. Like this, like these, like stuff like this is still going to be sitting there for college teams to be considering.
3: And let's be honest here. If the NCA had done nothing and said, you know what? Go ahead and play. There would be a significant part of the population that was furious with the NCA over that decision. Now, instead, there's a portion of the of the population that's not happy about the decision and the outcome as it came. There was no winning for the NCAA on this part, except that they had a protocol in place. And so they followed that protocol to a T. Jake, you, you read uh, Kendall – kendall rogers article kendall laid it out the ncaa did exactly as they told teams that they would and unfortunately the biggest difference between what happened in the college world series compared to what happened during march madness was the round that it happened in unfortunately it had the same result but that's that's the reason that it's making the headlines that it is and that's why college football is so they're gonna have to put player safety first If they don't, they're going to take a huge hit for that. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes me think that this is a very real possibility come next January.
0: That's, again, like they've fiddled with the College World Series and they've fiddled with March Madness. Nothing is off limits right now. If you violate the protocol, you're out. And they've made that very clear and there's no line drawn in the sand.
4: They, I mean, look, look, they canceled their cash cow last season. I mean, that's that's what the NCAA needs. And they just said not even going to try to play it when like, so they're willing yeah. to cut stuff off. And I will say the NCA is like the last person I want to say, hey, can you make I'll give me uh, basically say, like, I'll make your bet right now. They make the right decision. I would never take that bet that the NCAA would do anything correctly.
3: Guys, I want to ask you this. What do you think the viability of a bubble for the college football playoff being? So if you just put all the teams at one site, put them in a bubble, shuttle them just like you would basically like they did with March Madness, that could work. And then you don't potentially have the interruptions that that could, could very well happen. What are you guys' thoughts on that idea?
0: My, I don't want to say issue. I feel like bubbles are a lot less logistical for football because with a thing like March madness, you can have like five or six gyms in a hotel complex and be like, okay, no one comes in, no one comes out. And that's it in football. You need to have a bunch of different fields for all these teams to be able to practice. You'd have a bunch of different fields for these guys to be able to play they're probably going to want to have fans in there. They're going to have to let them in. So they're going to be people coming in and out of this anyway. Like I don't. And with teams playing like in the NCAA, in the bubble, like teams played like Thursday and Saturday and then Friday and Sunday. And then had like a few days to practice and they play like two more games again, the next weekend. It's like in the, in football, it's like game from what I understand the schedule is going to be is like game, two week break, game, two week break, game. And like, can you do that? Can you keep that bubble going for over a month for guys to play three games? And that's going to be the question that I don't know. I feel like basketball is a much easier logistical challenge to make a bubble work than football.
3: Two games, right?
0: For the football player? Oh, uh, right. That the uh, twelve-game schedule is not going into effect yet. I'm yeah, thinking too far ahead. My neurons are firing too hard.
3: I just, I, if, if you told me that that was the only way you could guarantee that we would not have a similar situation to what happened, I think I'm taking the bubble option. Throw them oh, in yeah. a hotel for a month, give them two weeks before the first game, let them practice however they need to do it, and then I, I think most college football fans would take it. At mm-hmm. first, you would be furious about it. But then when they said, Well, you know, NC State baseball kinda wishes they were in a bubble. <laughs> I mean,
0: if they if they said tomorrow they're like, Hey, we're gonna do the college football playoff in a bubble, I'd be like, Bet, sure. Now we know it's like like nothing's like unless someone does
4: something stupid, we're good.
2: Dave, right. I don't <laughs> think
4: I can't see them going, you know, everything we're you know, back wide open and then be like, All right guys, we're gonna bubble again. We're gonna do that. I just I just can't see them. It's too inconsistent. well which is the NCAA's middle name, but still.
3: Right, and for and the record, I don't disagree with you, but, man, I'll tell you what, if, if you have Florida as that fourth team in a playoff right now and you say, oh, Florida's got two positive tests, so we got to test everybody, now you got four or five tests, uh, like what happened to NC State, there's going to be a lot of angry fans, not just Florida fans. As you saw with, with NC State, they're considered the people's champion right now because of all the other fans that wanted them to just have the chance, not even to win.
0: <laughs> again, again, though, like, these are big money, like other than college football playoff, the NCAA's tampered with big money, big draw events for these sports. And the NCAA thing, like the, the NC State thing, she was like, they're not worried about doing something that's unpopular. Like they had to know that they would get crucified on social media.
3: Right, but if you're Bay the Bowl. athletic director for a Power 5 conference team that has a realistic shot, if you're in Ohio State, if you're in Alabama, Clemson, uh, let's throw George up there, whatever. If you're one of those, aren't you almost vouching for, hey, we want these games to be played. We want to do anything that we can to guarantee that that's going to happen. And if it means a bubble for one more year, forever, who cares? Whatever the case may be, then let's do it. And that's where I think that you might see that kind of thing come up
0: i i don't i like from my point i raised before i don't disagree that the ncaa would take a bubble college football playoff over no college football playoff it's just i feel like out of all the sports championships they play football would be a logistical nightmare just by the sheer amount of people involved and the sheer amount of space it requires i'm not saying the ncaa wouldn't be willing to do that if they were backed into a corner or felt like it's their best option but it's definitely going to be a
1: logistical terror to make that work.
3: Absolutely. Dave, what are your thoughts real quick?
1: No, oh, that's all about the money, man. Fill the stadium. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the essential thing. I'm trying to get that
3: gate.
1: <laughs>
4: right. yeah. Speaking of money though. So say, so we were talking about this earlier. Who would get a delay in a championship game and who wouldn't? Who would be treated with the utmost care? We'd obviously say that Alabama would be. So say Alabama is the national title game. they go, like, okay, we're going to move it a week. Well, Or we're going to move the game. How long do you move it? When do you play it? Because now you're cutting into the NFL's money. Because then they take Saturdays when the college football season stops for week 17 in the playoffs. Yep. Good point.
0: Yeah, and or any, I guess an even better one, like what happens if, I guess it, not on wood uh, stuff probably the protocols would be a lot more relaxed when the twelve team playoff comes around in twenty twenty two. But like say in the first round this year, there's a group of five team for whatever reason. It's like Cincinnati, and they have a COVID outbreak, and yeah, NCAA pulls the plug on their semifinal game. They're like, okay, go, and then you get to the next round, and Alabama has a COVID problem. You set you set the precedent that it doesn't matter. But now your biggest cash cow is just sitting there.
3: Yeah. Yeah, that's why I think a bubble might be the only way. But anyway, so moving okay. on. <laughs> I, don't,
0: I, I don't, I don't disagree. It's just if they decide on a bubble, hey, I do not want to be the person who plans it. Do, do you
1: no, th- I, I completely hey, agree. Do you guys find it funny that Alabama rarely had any COVID problems last year, but every other team seemed to have some kind of issues? And I think Georgia and Alabama really didn't have any COVID issues. But everybody are you saying did. do I find it surprising that 19-year-olds were terrified of disobeying Nick Saban? Well, no, I just, uh, I, I, Ooh, I that's a, that's a good take. I like that one. <laughs> there's people that have followed the protocols and still gotten COVID, but I find it quite funny that Alabama never had any issues whatsoever. <laughs> with anything. Well, I don't know how much I love the fact that that was just on air,
3: but <laughs> that was actually yeah. phenomenal. Uh, Thank you. uh hey, well, so Nick, just... I mean,
4: well Nick probably locked him in a cellar and said, you can't leave. That's what happened.
3: Yeah, they were if, just if stuck at the a, football facility. <laughs> like yeah, we we'll say that.
0: Say, to say what I just said in nicer words about Alabama, if there's one program that truly has
1: exemplified d- diligence in the last, like, decade. That's the moneymaker. That's, that's the moneymaker mm-hmm. program right there. That in Ohio State. Hey,
3: I, I do want to move over real quick. We do have the Olympics starting in less than a month now. Um, the Summer Olympics, they've obviously been delayed a year um, from last year. We, uh, we're looking at at least 17 current uh, f- current or former Florida Gators uh, competing for the Team USA. Um, one of those guys had a pretty incredible run. Uh, and, and Jay I'm going to give you a chance to talk about uh, Grant Holloway.
4: Well, Grant will be competing in the 110-meter hurdles, and he was a 100th. Is that, is that the, correct, the correct measure? Yeah, he was one one hundredth of a second from breaking the world record.
0: Jake, could you demonstrate what one hundredth of a
4: second would look like to me? Or, no, no, no. Like I, I'd much much
3: rather I'd rather you <laughs> demonstrate what jumping the hurdles
4: would look like. <laughs> that man, that man probably ran the hundred and ten meter hurdles faster than it takes me to get out of bed in the morning. I watched that and was
3: like amazed. Just, just the fluidity with the way that he ran. I mean, I, look, obviously he's been doing it a long time. He's a world record holder in numerous events. Uh, but man, what that man did was incredible, and just watching it, I, I'm not somebody who's fascinated by watching track and field. That was something that was pretty fascinating, fascinating to watch.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, the the with track and field, everybody watches the the short distances. They watch the 100 meter, the 200. They watch the you know the 110. So he's definitely one of the more exciting of the events that track and field holds. My
0: favorite little tidbit about that 110 meter hurdles thing that I learned when I, I like just dug into it a little bit. Um, the got like in 2018 Grant Holloway finished second at the U S championships in the 110 meter hurdles and he lost by two, two hundredths of a second. They had to do rounding. I think one person had like 13 point, like one, four, one, four, two, and he had like one, four, five or whatever it was. I don't know the exact numbers. The guy who he lost to by two, like two hundredths of a second is the guy who came in second to him in the final heat. And this time Grant beat him by over a tenth of a second. Yeah. So. Is that a lot? He, yeah, he was, he was the only person to go sub 13 in either the semifinal or the final. And he ran a nine six and a one. Yeah. Is he, so Grant all the way might guy... be good.
4: Is he, like, the kind of guy who vibrates when he runs? Like, you could just see every part of him, like, shake. I I think the coolest thing for me was his reaction
0: when he won this, like, he ran the semifinal and just, like, this massive cheer because he looked up and saw that he, like, nearly broke the world record. I mean, yeah, that world record might be in danger in Tokyo. Hey,
3: so I want to take a second to just go through the uh, 17 athletes uh, that are currently... Uh, projected to head to Tokyo for the United States. Uh stop me if there's somebody you guys want to talk about. Uh the first one is Mark Colsaveri, uh playing baseball for Team USA. Colo. Uh, Colo, exactly. Marco Colo, right? Um <laughs> Bradley Beal, uh men's basketball. It's is been a good? little while since he's played at UF, but uh is probably one of the more heralded players despite only playing one year under Billy Donovan. Um
0: Jeez absolutely insane
3: yeah he's uh if he was a sixer the Sixers would be winning this championship right it's now the off-season so. trade brian ben
0: simmons for bradley Beal. Who i've says been no? calling for it for who years no? i'm
3: just saying who says no ben
0: simmons for bradley Beal, straight up
3: well um, if i'm the wizards i'm saying no <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i should
0: be in i should be in the GM. Yeah.
3: yeah exactly i mean, the sixers would win every year if we did this um so Kayla Dicello and Leanne Wong qualified for gymnastics. Softball has three representatives: Aubrey Monroe, Michelle Moultrie, and Kelsey Stewart. And realistically, those are three of the most decorated softball players to come through UF. Jake, anything you want to say about those three?
4: Uh, I mean, they've been on Team USA for forever, so it was only you know it was only a given that they were going to be on the Olympic roster.
3: Yeah, it was just a matter of the US, uh, of the Olympic Committee sponsoring softball yet again, and and we got to that point. Uh, swimming, Caleb Dressel, maybe the most decorated um, UF alum ever.
0: I did want to like, sorry to interrupt you, but like on Caleb on Caleb Dressel, Grant Holloway came within one hundredth of a second of breaking a world record, and I think he might be the second best UF athlete going to Tokyo.
3: Yeah, that was, I mean, just think about it. Caleb Dressel and Grant Holloway were on campus at the same time. Mm-hmm. I, and that's, I, I, that's pretty incredible.
0: I, and I, I don't even think it's far-fetched. I would make a, I would take like negative odds right now that Caleb Dressel has the sec at least the sec like he's not going to catch Phelps, but like the second most Olympic medals when he's done. Like no, he's got, I, tw- he's I got 12 agree. to target. I think he's going to get past Lockby.
3: Yeah, I agree. Um, Dressel, I mean, this guy's just on a whole nother level. Uh, what he's been able to accomplish uh, even before he left UF. Uh, I made it a point to go and watch him compete at one swimming meet. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of watching swimming uh, because it's watching swimming. Um, but I did make a point Ouch. to go see Caleb Dressel. That's not to take away from what any of these swimmers are doing. It's phenomenal. It's just not easy to watch. When I James Bates
4: is going to find you. I hope you know. When I when I, did waiting, Jake.
0: <laughs> when I did that Lochte feature, I looked up the uh I looked up the Florida High School like state champions and stuff for swim, so I could go back and see Loki's records and I, I saw Caleb Dressel on the record book there and his times made me like just sit and audibly whistle in my house like alone.
3: <laughs> yeah, nuts. So joining Dressel in swimming is uh Bobby Finky and uh Natalie Hines on the Bobby women's Fink. side.
4: Oh, I wanna talk about Natalie Hines. That girl retired and came back and is an Olympian.
3: Yeah, and she will be in the four by one hundred freestyle.
4: Isn't, uh Kieran Smith too? Yes,
3: yeah, yeah. so and Kieran Smith, you're right. I, I absolutely missed that. Um, Forget my boy Kieran. Let's see. Joining Grant in track and field is Will Clay, Marquise Dendy, Corey McGee, and Taylor Manson. I'm
0: also. Uh, ju- I'm also just going to add. He's not representing the U.S. Thomas Mardal is going to be representing Norway. Oh, the boy! And the dude is probably going to medal. Yeah.
4: Well oh, we can. We can only hope.
3: And then as far as coaches that are going to be uh, in Tokyo, Mike Holloway, Mouse, uh, will be the head track and field coach. And Anthony Denesti will be a uh, men's assistant swimming coach. So a uh, lot of players, a lot of athletes, a lot of former and current UF athletes that are headed over to Tokyo. That's just the people that are going to be representing the United States Uh, There's a whole long list, a laundry list of people that will be competing, of of athletes that will be competing with other nations as well. Uh, So, yeah, this is it should be a fun time. It gives us something to talk about when there's not a whole lot else going on. So good times. Uh, But is there anybody in particular that you're looking forward to seeing on an international level, aside from Grant Holloway or Caleb Dressel?
4: I guess sticking Jake, with track. Yeah.
0: Oh, sorry, go Jake first. Sorry.
4: Yeah, go Jake first. I mean, probably Martell. <laughs> I'm I'm ready to see that man hurl uh, a piece of metal really far, like way farther than anybody else on on an international stage, not just a national one, an international stage. Yeah, I looked
0: up um, the throw he made to win uh, hammer throw outdoors. Um would have been fourth in the Rio Olympics. That's stupid. <laughs> so he, Thomas Mardal might be good.
3: My, my, my final thought on, on um, the Olympics and well, go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say, if I could
0: add one more, I guess stick and track and field Taylor Manson. Okay. She's been like a stud for UF relay teams, like pretty much every year she's been here. And, um, I mean, that UF four by 400 relay team was pretty nuts this year. I think they, I I don't want to swear to it, but I'm pretty sure they finished second at nationals, but they were there. Like that was, that team was a powerhouse this year. And, um, is she
4: running a relay? I I believe she's running a relay. Yeah. She's on the four by 400 relay.
0: Yes. So I'm, she definitely piques my interest. I'm excited to see what Taylor Manson can do because that was a really good relay team. And she was one of the strongest legs of it. And that's only bolstered by the fact that she's literally an Olympian for that same event. So.
3: Well, I will say this, I am really looking forward to Olympic softball. Softball has kind of taken over maybe as the the fourth sport uh, at UF, in addition to obviously football, basketball, and baseball. Um, and, and, you know, you can talk to almost anybody on campus and they at least know a little bit about the softball program. It's come a long way over the last decade or so. But softball has been absent from the Olympics since 2008. So the 2012 and the 2016 games didn't include it despite the growth that we've seen at the Women's College World Series, the ratings on ESPN and whatnot. Um, And so I'm glad to see it back and I'm glad to see three former Gators, not only contributing, but as a major part of that. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing just Olympic softball on the the world's biggest stage. Um, Anything anybody wants to add to Olympic conversation? No, Nope. All right. All right, so then I want to go ahead and let us move over to Dave. Dave, uh, you've got a pretty big announcement to make, right?
1: Yes, Brian. Huge, huge news for the Gridiron Growl Podcast and Chomp Talk coming up in the next few weeks, but we are taking a few weeks off from the podcast to prepare for a huge episode 50 anniversary special of the Gridiron Growl Podcast, our our one-year anniversary show. We're going to have a packed lineup of guests. I can't really clue you in on it. You'll just have to listen and find out. And maybe there might be a guest that was on our first episode, just to clue you in a bit, I guess. I'll give you that one. But uh, the lineup is going to be awesome. I Honestly, I, I can't even wait. And Also, we're doing a huge giveaway. This is the big thing that you guys all got to listen to. We're doing a huge drawing for you folks who listened to us throughout the year, who subscribed to the podcast, who retweeted it, who shared it, and who supported our podcast. Just, just as a huge thank you to all you folks and you fans out there who you know, supported us, commented, whether it was good or bad, whatever. At least you listened to the podcast and, you you know, you know, supported us and at least gave us a shot whether you still listen to us or not. But uh, so how do you enter this drawing? Well, there will be a posting of this episode in our official Twitter as we do every week. It's at gridiron underscore growl. That is at gridiron underscore growl. And we will pin the tweet so it stays up top for you folks. So if you click on our uh, official Twitter There'll be a pinned tweet that stays up at the top. It doesn't go anywhere. It stays there. All you have to do is comment on the tweet and you're entered into the contest. That's it. Just comment. Just leave a comment. If you don't have a Twitter, it's free. Just create one and make a comment. We will pick a random comment from that pinned tweet. Select them as the official winner of the drawing. So if you're selected as the winner, we'll send you a DM. And for all you people that don't know what DM is, it's called a direct message. And we'll give you a week to respond. Now... If somebody sends you a DM on Twitter, sometimes it doesn't vibrate your phone or if you don't have the alert set the way that you, you, you may not even know that you got the DM. So what I would do is after we, we pick the winner uh, and announce them, we will announce the winner live and we will send you a DM. So just check your phone. And once we send you the DM, just respond with your info. And if you don't respond within a week, we're going to have to pick and redraw another winner. So, uh, but if you do get the DM, We will ask you for some info. We will ship you the official prizes that we're giving away. And we're giving away some pretty cool, expensive prizes as well. So you definitely want to respond to that DM if you're picked as the drawing winner. But that's in the next few days. In the next few days, we will be posting the prizes that you can win in the contest in that same pinned tweet. So all you basically got to do is comment and you're getting some really cool stuff. Well, you will have the potential to get some really cool stuff. We can't give it away to everybody. Only one person can win it. And it's just a huge thank you to everyone who supported the podcast and supported the Florida Gators as well. So folks, that will do it for episode number 49 of the Gridiron Growl Podcast. And like I said, we'll be giving a two-week break for you guys to prepare for this super anniversary special of the Gridiron Growl Podcast. But until then, man, enjoy your 4th of July weekend with good friends and family. And remember what we say here on the Gridiron Growl Podcast, every single episode in all kinds of weather, We don't just stick together, but we also keep it together.